الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد إن شاء الله تعالى We're going to بإذن الله الكريم Starting the explanation of the kitab القصيدة الهائية في الزهد والترغيب والترهيب And the kitab is written by الشيخ العلامة والحبر الفهامة حافظ عصره وفريد دهره حافظ ابن أحمد ابن علي ابن أحمد الحكمي رحمه الله رحمة واسعة I'm going to إنشاء الله تعالى going to give you all النبذة يسيرة عن ترجمة المؤلف I'm going to give you a summarized biography of the author of this book because the value of a book is generally connected to the Imam who wrote it. If the Imam is someone prolific, someone noble and knowledgeable, then without a doubt the value of the book goes up because his, ver- his words are connected to his status. That's why the scholars, they say that the Qur'an is the highest because Allah is higher than his creation, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so there is nothing like the words of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Messenger is higher than the rest of the creation. So his words are higher than everyone else's. And the Sahabas are higher than the rest of the other people. So their words are more valuable. And the list is like that. So the ulama and the people of knowledge, their statement is not ever equal to the statement of the general mass. If a student of knowledge says something and the scholar says the same thing, we won't quote the student of knowledge, we'll quote the scholar. Because the statement of the scholar, the alim, has that value, has that status. And that is a very important point that we must nurture ourselves with and understand. So the author of this kitab, he is Hafiz Al-Hakami, rahimahullah. And the term, or the name Al-Hakami is Nisbah ila Hakam ibn Sa'ad, who is a figure of the family, a member of the tribe. The Shaykh, rahimahullah, was born on the uh, 24th night of Ramadan, when the year was 1,342. 1,342. So, the author, rahimahullah, he was born in a mantiqa, a maqariya, a village called As-Salam, in Jizan, Mamajazan, known as Azwaw. And I was honored um, to go to that village and visit it and see it. And I was honored to meet some of the students of the Shaykh who took from him, who met him, who saw him. And that was a Shaykh um, Zayd ibn Muhammad ibn Hadi al-Madkhali rahimahullah ta'ala who died. And so some of the things that he mentioned regarding the Shaykh inshallah ta'ala I'm going to mention bi-idhnillah al-kareem. The Shaykh Rahimahullah, he was born in that city or that village uh, known as Salam. And his family moved to a place called Jadi'ah. 
a qariya called Jadi' when he was born they moved there which is also still part of Jazan the Shaykh rahimahullah he read the Quran when he was very young before the age of 10 he memorized the Quran but he was busy with um, looking after his father's and his mother's flock of sheep or goats he was Ra'il Ghanam Subhanallah, the Shaykh was said about him whilst he would do uh, the, while he would take care of the ghanam, it was said about him that he would take with him uh, himself the mushaf, the Quran. He'll take the Quran and he would read it. mutun and kutubs. Mutun, ilmiyah, he will take it and he would memorize it. Whilst he would take care of the goat. And that shocked me because anyone who knows, knows. If you, if you don't know, then. Uh, you wouldn't understand this, but looking after a camel, you could, you could seek knowledge whilst looking after a camel. Because the camel generally follows the other camel. If, one, if you put one camel in line, the rest of the camels, they follow that camel. Like in the ghanam, is not like that. The ghanam, you have to always be consistently observing it. You have to always be looking at it. Well, the Anbiya and the Rusul are, as the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, they are shepherds. They're shepherds. They look after. They looked after. They looked after flock of sheep. The reason because of that is because prophets are going to come out to guide the people, and people are always like the sheep. They always want to go the wrong direction. So they have to be brought back to the haq and the truth. So it's amazing that the sheikh, at that young age, he was ra'il ghanam, but still trying to memorize the Quran when it requires a lot of work and hard effort on, from his side. So he used to take the Qur'an and he'd memorize the Qur'an. The Shaykh was described to be, rahimahullah ta'ala, someone who was very, very, very smart, excessively smart. He, had, he was described to be a person who had a lot of dhaka'at. Uh, his dhaka'at was khariq, outside the norms. And he was a person who was alert, always aware about his surroundings. He was an absent-minded, rahimahullah. So the Shaykh, this is all that he did at a young age. Yani he memorized the Quran and he memorized Mutun. Until one day, his village, uh, where he was uh, in Jadi', Shaykh by the name of Abdullahi al Qarawi, Abdullahi ibn Muhammad al Qarawi came and they told him and they said, Shaykh, um, there's a man by the name of uh, Ahmed, uh, yani Ahmed ibn Ali al Hakami. He lives in this uh, village and he's not a normal person. And he's, he's extraordinary. Sheikh, can you go and, and speak to him and see him? So the Sheikh sat down with him, spoke with him. And the Sheikh, at that time, in that village, he opened a madrasa where he called it Al Madrasa to Salafiya. Sheikh Abdullah Al Qarawi. He opened a madrasa where he called it Al Madrasa to Salafiya. And Sheikh Abdullah Al Qarawi was the head of it. Um, so he requested that he requested when he saw Hafid al Hakami, sat with him, talked with him, asked him questions, looked at his personality and the way he carries himself. He went to his parents and he said, This young boy should be given to me. I, I see something in this boy. And if he is given to me, he's quwwatul fahmi. And he combined between the two things that a student of knowledge actually needs, which is strong memory 
and fast in understanding and isti'abi tam completely comprehending everything you're saying so the sheikh said to his parents please allow this boy to come with me to study with me and he can come with something so the sheikh rahimahullah hafiz al-hakamiyu he studied with abdullah al-qara'awi and he studied with him at the year uh, 1360 so 1360 so the sheikh at that time he's only 22 years of age he's only 22 years of age he moves in with abdullah qaraawi and he stays with him for the uh, next um, 17 years he stays with sheikh abdullah qaraawi and he dies when the year is 1377 so how old would the sheikh be if he died if he was born 1342 and he died 1377 the sheikh would be what huh? the sheikh would be 39 approximately that's how old he was when he died when he was 22 his teacher sorry when he was 22 now sheikh abdullah al-qara'awi requested from him to write a couple of books from the books that he wrote is his famous kitab Sulam al-Wusul ila ilm al-Usul He also wrote this kitab Al-Qasidatul Ha'iyya Fi al-Targhibi Fi al-Zuhdi wa al-Targhibi wa al-Targhib Which we're going to see inshaAllah ta'ala And he has written other books He has a kitab called Tal- Rather to be honest There is not a field in the religion Except that he's written a book in it Generally speaking so You will not find any uh, knowledge in the religion Except that you find he wrote a book in it um, And a lot of his works He's actually explained it himself he, the kitab Sulam al-Wusul ila ilm al-Usul Fi tawheedillah wa tiba'i al-Rasul The Shaykh He Some scholars they mention He wrote it when he was 22 And he explained it uh, Two years before he died And two years before he died 1360 He explained it And two years before he died He wrote He finished explaining the kitab He wrote an explanation on it The nadam that he wrote when he was 22 our 22-year-olds, what are they doing now? Now we know what they are doing. So this is how he was. He has written a kitab called A'lamu Sunnat al-Manshura where he is questioning and answers in Tawheed and issues of I'tiqad. He has a kitab called Al-Lu'lu'u al-Maknun Fi Ahwali al-Asanid wal-Mutun where it's in Mustalah al-Hadith. He has another kitab called Lamiyatul al-Mansukh where he wrote the abrogated uh, verses in the Quran and in the Sunnah. From the Quran and the Sunnah, both of them. He also has written a kitab called Al Mandumwah, Al Mimiya Fil Wasaya Wal Adab Al Ilmiya, where he talks about the etiquette of the student of knowledge and what is needed from the student of knowledge. One of the things that the Sheikh was known for is, or the few things that he was known for was number one, his excessive knowledge. Ma'as, even though he was young, 38, he died. From a very young age, he was known to have a lot of knowledge, vast knowledge. Um, and that you can see in his works. The second thing that he was known for was Al-Amal uh, Salih. And he was right, his, right, his actions were very, the, the actions that this Shaykh had, his A'mal were very good. The way he was in terms of his actions. And also he was unique. And he was known for his 
love and passion for benefiting from his time. He never used to waste his time. He died before the age of 40. And he writ over 30 books. Rasail, Mandumat. Imagine that. He wrote that many books. And inshallah ta'ala, when we look at this book today, we're going to see what type of mindset he had into writing this book, the advices that he gives, the points that he brings out. This kitab, inshallah ta'ala, in front of us, is one of the books that he had written, rahimahullah ta'ala. And there are two explanations on this book. One explanation is Sheikh Zaid ibn Muhammad ibn Hadi al-Madkhaliyu. He wrote an explanation and I took that explanation from him himself. And the Sheikh gave it to me personally. When I went to him, he gave me the sharah. So that's one sharah. The second sharah is the sharah of Sheikh Abdul Razak ibn Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad. Hafizahullah ta'ala. Both of their shuruh are the only two that I've come across in terms of matbu' those which are written. So inshallah ta'ala, we're going to mention the benefits in both of them, insha'Allah ta'ala. The kitab, as you can see from the name, it talks about um, az-zuhd, to be aesthetic. In the affairs of this dunya, do not be fooled by this dunya. Do not, let, do not let the world drag you, okay? To be cautious about it and not to make the dunya your ultimate goal and your final objective. And to know that this dunya is just a stepping stone to another life. And that your aim in this world is to accumulate righteous actions for the other life that you're going to live. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sincerely from the bottom of my heart that he subhanahu wa ta'ala makes these advices and these points that the author rahimahullah mentioned that he makes it from those things that we benefit from. His statements... He mentions, he's taken it from Al-Imam Ahmed and Abdullah ibn Mubarak and Waqi' ibn Jarrah al-Ru'asi and Hanad ibn al-Sarri. And he, take it, he took it from these great imams and of course he took it from the Quran and the Sunnah. And inshallah ta'ala as we go on, we will الكريم, be quoting these great scholars and their statements and of course the Quran and the, and the Sunnah. Naam. The author, the author rahimahullah, he goes into the first two lines and he speaks about the, the dunya. He started by saying, um, dunya. Uh, What have I to do with the dunya? And the dunya is not my purpose. And he said, qasdi, Nor is the world my final destination. And it is dunya is not the final destination of my goal. This is not what I this is not my final goal. I, I have another goal, which is the akhirah. And I am not uh, I was not made for this dunya. I was not created for this dunya. And the Shaykh Rahimahullah he took this from the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas that Umar anhu one day he entered onto the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa and the Prophet ﷺ was sleeping on uh, he was sleeping on a hasir. A hasir is a hand waved, a hand woven um, uh, carpet, which is hard. 
The Prophet was sleeping on that, and then what happened when it made a mark on the Prophet's side, alayhi salatu salam. قَدْ تَأَثَّرَ فِي جَنْبِهِ فَقَالَ He said, Umar said to the Prophet, يَا نَبِيَ اللَّهِ O the Prophet of Allah, لَوْ اِتَّخَدْتَ فِرَاشًا If only you had a better bed. And the Prophet's bed was a thin, uh, made out of grass, or some scholars they say made out, it was weaving straws. That's what the Prophet was lying on, alayhi salatu salam. It made a mark on his side, alayhi salatu salam. This is the best man to ever walk on this earth, alayhi salatu salam. So the Prophet Umar radiallahu anhu, he said, لَوِ اتَّخَدْتَ فِرَاشًا O Messenger of Allah, if only you can take a bed. Um, because this is affecting you. And the Prophet then said to him a powerful statement. He said, Mali walid dunya. And this is where the author took it from, which is, What have I to do with the dunya? What is the relationship between me and the dunya? Why are you connecting me to the dunya, Umar? I am in this dunya, the Prophet said. Illa karakibin, a rider. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, Mali walid dunya. What is my relationship with this dunya? What do I have to do with this dunya? I am in this dunya, illa karakib. It's like a rider. Sara fi yawmin sa'ifin, fastadalla tahta shajara, sa'atan min naharin, thumma raha wa tarakaha. I'm like a man who is at a day where the sun is very hard and I wanted a shade, so I went under a tree for a period of time and then I left it. The dunya for me is like that shade. I'm only going to be there for a short period of time. So that, that is how the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saw the dunya, alayhi salatu wasalam. And that is how the dunya should be to everybody, every Muslim. That is how he should see the dunya. وَلَيْسَتْ بِبُغِيَتِهِ He said, it is not my purpose. This dunya is not my purpose. وَلَا مُنْتَهَا قَصْدِي Nor the final destination of my goal. وَلَسْتُ بِمَيَّالٍ إِلَيْهَا Mayal means, it means مَيْلٌ وَانْشِرَاحُ صَدْرٍ وَرَغْبَةٌ I don't have a passion. My heart and chest is not open for this dunya. وَزِينَتَهَا And its glories, uh, sorry, glamours, and it's glitters. In these two lines, the author is summarizing the dua that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to make, which is, وَلَا تَجْعَلِ الدُّنْيَا أَكْبَرَهَا مِنَا وَلَا مَبْلَغَ عِلْمِنَا O oh Allah, do not make this dunya أَكْبَرَهَا مِنَا our ultimate purpose. Our ultimate uh, purpose, yani goal. Don't make it. And don't make our entire knowledge based on this dunya. A person who only knows the dunya. All of your knowledge is issues related to the dunya. Um, but there is no harm in using this dunya to take that which you need for your children. That which you need for your masalih, your own benefit of this dunya. To live, to survive. 
because the Prophet ﷺ, he said, for you to leave your offspring. Agniya are rich. Khayrun is better than than to leave them to leave them poor begging the people. So there's extreme both ways. You don't leave your children poor and so they end up begging other people. You don't also dig deep into the dunya where that becomes your ultimate goal. The best is the middle. The person should know the reality of this dunya and how low it is. And how fast this dunya is going to finish. This dunya is cursed and cursed. Everything in it is cursed. Except the good that we do, the remembrance of Allah that we come with and the righteous actions that we do. The Prophet said, Inna dunya mal'una. The Prophet said that the dunya is cursed. Mal'unu ma fiha and everything in it is also cursed. Illa dhikrullahi except the remembrance of Allah. Illa dhikrullahi except the remembrance of Allah. Wa ma walaha and anything that is with it. You're a scholar or you're a student of knowledge. Those are the two exceptions that the Prophet took out. Ibn al-Qayyim has a very powerful statement in his kitab, Iddatu Sabirina wa Dhakhiratu Shakirin. He says, Fadunya fil la The dunya in reality, it's not uh, the blame is not to the dunya. The dunya itself is not the blame. But the blame is to the slave what he does in the dunya. The dunya is The dunya is just a stepping, it's a bridge, he said. It's a bridge to Jannah or Nar. But when the dunya became known for his desires and that overcame the dunya, the glitters and the glamours overtook the reality of the dunya. And the people became heedless in the dunya. And it became a cause for the people to turn around, turn away from Allah. And the day of judgment. And the dunya, the, 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 the inhabitants of the dunya, when they became like that, and the majority became like that, that's why then, the Nususul Wahyayin, the Quran and the Sunnah spoke bad about the dunya. Or spoke bad, or the scholars spoke bad about the dunya. It's because of the people, the majority of them have become um, heedless and they've turned away from Allah and the day of judgment. But if a person uses the dunya to accumulate righteous actions and beneficial knowledge, then there's no blame. There's nothing bad about his dunya. His dunya is good because he's used it in a way. And that famous hadith is what Ibn al-Qayyim is referring to, which is, إِنَّ الدُّنْيَا مَلْعُونَ The dunya is cursed and everything in it is cursed. إِلَّا ذِكْرُ اللَّهِ وَمَا وَلَاهَا وَعَالِمًا أَوْ مُتَعَلِّمًا The scholar and the student of knowledge are an exception here. Because they've used the dunya to what? To please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The author, rahimahullah, he mentions in these following lines, again, the reality of the dunya and the reality of the people in the dunya. He mentions those two. Halu dunya wa halu nasi fiha. The reality of the dunya, he explains it even more. And he also explains the people in this dunya. So he said, the dunya is what? Hiya daru, daru al-hammi. 
It is the abode of worry. This dunya, that's what it is. It's a place of worry, excessive worry. Walgam, it is also um, a place of grief. Walana, and it's also a place of humiliation. The dunya has those three worry and grief. The word alham and algam, the difference between it is ham is generally used for the future. And al-ghamm is used for something that happened in the past. And you're worried about the future and the past. Humiliation is what the person goes through in this dunya. Look at the people, how they humiliate themselves when they want to attain the dunya. If you laugh in this dunya little, you cry a lot. If it made you happy little, it made you sad a lot. There is no house that you see today that's filled with happiness except grief will come or has come their way. What is the cure to this stress and the worry of the dunya and the grief? The remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and worshipping Him. And turning to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala and obeying Him. Reciting the Quran. Believing in the qada, the qada and the qadr. That is why Allah said, مَنْ عَمِلَ صَالِحًا مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ فَلَا نُحْيَنَّهُ حَيَاتًا طَيِّبًا Anyone who does righteous actions, whether it be a man or a woman, they will live a good life. The person will live a good life if they come with this. But we're looking for happiness in not the remembrance of Allah, not in righteous actions, not in recitation of the Quran, not in turning to Allah, not in worshipping Allah, not in believing the qada and the qadar, but rather we are looking for happiness in the dunya. And so what's happening is that the dunya is giving us the worldly materialistic things. It's given us money. It's given us houses. But it's not given us the happiness of the heart. That's why Allah said in the Quran, فَمَنْ هُدَايَ Anyone who follows my guidance, فَلَا يَضِلُّ He will never be misguided in this world. وَلَا يَشْقَى فِي الْآخِرَةِ فَمَنْ هُدَايَ The solution of the Muslims around the world, this is the, this ayah, not even the whole entire ayah, but part of it explains the whole entire solution of the Ummah. Anyone who follows my guidance, Allah's guidance, subhanahu wa ta'ala, who follows the Quran and the Sunnah, that person will never be misguided in this world. He will never be from the deviated groups. He will not be from the disbelievers. And the hereafter, you're not going to be from the dwellers of the hellfire. Some scholars like Ibn Qayyim in his kitab Sawa'iqul Mursala, he mentioned something very powerful. He said that this ayah says, Anyone who follows my guidance will not be misguided in this world. Misguidance brings about confusion. Confusion give, brings about worry. Worry brings depression. That's how it's all connected. When you're misguided, you're looking for something. When you're looking for something, you're stressed. You're worried. Guidance brings contentment. Contentment brings happiness. That's why if you follow the Quran and the Sunnah, you feel safe. You feel contentment and happiness. That's why if you look at the heads of innovators, like Fakhruddin al-Razi, what did he say? He said that we travel the earth. We went everywhere. And وَلَمْ نَسْتَفِدْ مِنْ بَحْثِنَا 
we didn't benefit anything from our researches and our and our looking at books and everything. We didn't benefit anything from it. All we combined is قيل, قال, قيل, قال. He said, she said, that's all we combined. Philosophical theories that again can be broken and then another theory and then that theory was, it was disproven. So finally he said, Fakhruddin al-Razi, now I've come back to the Quran. Same with Abu Mu'ali al-Juwayni, it was said about him. Same with Abi Hamid al-Ghazali, يعني Abi Hamid al-Ghazali, the Islamic thinker, this, يعني Abi Hamid al-Ghazali, the quwah, the, this man's aqal, Ibn Taymiyyah said, you know, qalla misluhu fil Islam. In Islam, Abi Hamid al-Ghazali, he's rare to be found, his, his brain, his thinking, the mind that was in Abi Hamid al-Ghazali. Ma'adhalika, he couldn't find happiness until he opened Sahih al-Bukhari. When we read Sahih al-Bukhari, they said he died and Sahih al-Bukhari was on his chest. And he was reading Sahih al-Bukhari, Abi Hamid al-Ghazali. So following the guidance, it brings about tranquility. It takes away from you the worry, the fear, the anxiety, the grief. It will get rid of all of that. Also, the du'as and the adhkar. The dunya isn't what's going to bring all of the happiness in the, you're looking for. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, min abdin, There is not a slave. Qattun whatsoever. Ida asabahu hammun, a calamity befalls that person. And a grief. And then he says, Allahumma inni abduk, wabnu abdik, wabnu amatik, nasiyati biyadik, maadin fiya hukmuk, adlun fiya qadauk, as'aluka bi kulli ismin huwa lak, sammayta bihi nafsak, aw anzaltahu fi kitabik, أو علمت أحد من خلقك أو استأثرت به في علم الغيب عندك أن تجعل القرآن ربيع قلبي ونور صدري وجلاء حزني وذهاب همي إلا ذهب الله همه The person doesn't say that except Allah removes their worry, their grief and their sadness. Allah removes it from their heart. وأبدله أن الله will exchange it for that person. In that place of sorrow and worry and grief you had, Allah will exchange it to happiness. Then the Sahabas, they said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, ينبغي لنا أن نتعلم الكلمات. We should memorize these words. We should learn these words. And the Messenger said, Ajal, of course. ينبغي لمن سمعهن أن يتعلمهن. Of course, the one who hears these words must memorize them, must learn them. So the Prophet is saying we must learn these words. That's where the happiness comes from. Sihatul Mu'taqad, having a correct aqeedah. Al-Imanu Bil-Qadr, believing in the Qadr. Ma'rifatu, knowing Allah by His names and His attributes. Turning to Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala in His names. At-Tawassulu ilallahi azza wa jalla bi asma'ihi wa sifati. Giving consideration to the Qur'an and using the Qur'an as a, as a cure. All of these are what bring about happiness and grief. The, the author then says, سَرِيعٌ تَقَضِّيهَا قَرِيبٌ زَوَالُهَا It is quick in its expiration. This dunya expires quickly. And soon is its demise. The dunya, سَرِيعٌ تَقَضِّيهَا يعني It quickly finishes. You don't know when you're going to die. You don't know what your day is going to be, what time your life is going to come to an end. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Qur'an, وَمَا تَدْرِي نَفْسٌ مَاذَا تَكْسِبُ غَدًا وَمَا تَدْرِي نَفْسٌ بِأَيِّ أَرْضٍ تَمُوتٍ You don't know where you're going to die. 
And you don't know what actions you're going to be able to do tomorrow. You don't know when you're going to die and where you're going to die. Everything about our lives is written. It's written, the angels have written it. Our whole life is controlled. We don't know anything. We don't know when it's going to happen. But what we do need to do is come with righteous actions. Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we don't know where we're going to die and when we're going to die, we should consistently be working towards that moment that we won't ever be coming back again to this dunya. It's going to come to an end. The Sahabas, they used to ask about the Akhirah and the Yawmul Qiyamah a lot. And that's why you find in the Quran, يَسْأَلُكَ النَّاسُ عَنِ السَّاعَةِ They ask you about the hour, Muhammad. قُلْ say to them, إِنَّمَا عِلْمُهَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ The knowledge of the Akhirah is to Allah Azza wa Jalla. وَمَا يُدْرِيكَ لَعَلَّ السَّاعَةَ تَكُونُ قَرِيبًا The time for the hour is very close. It's not far. That's why the Prophet said, بُعِثْتُ أَنَا وَالسَّاعَةُ كَهَاتَيْنِ The hour and I were brought out like this. He, he pointed towards his sababa wal-wusta. His finger, the, this finger, the index finger, and the middle finger. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We'll stop there inshallah ta'ala. And we'll carry on after the salah bi-idhnillahi al-kareem. So we stopped at where the author rahimahullah said, Sari'un taqaddiha The dunya is soon in its uh, demise. It comes to an end quickly. Then the author rahimahullah said, Mayasiruha usrun wa huznun sururuha He said, Mayasiruha Its easiness is difficulty and its joy is sadness. If in this dunya you have uh, easiness or good and health, then the opposite is also true. You've had times of hardship, times of um, pain and suffering. So there's always the opposite. Its profits are loss. Whatever you attain in this dunya, its, its profits are loss. It will come to an end, finally, when you die. Unless the person who combines it with khair and good, and his intent is to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that's something that's waiting for you on the hereafter. The dunya... Its uh, perfection is deficiency. Like wh- when you think you're taking the complete essence of this dunya, it's actually deficiency. What he means by that is that you think you're taking money and wealth and children from this dunya, but it's taken from your obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and your ibadah and your remembrance of Allah. It's a necessity, it will happen. And you want to make more money, more money, more money, then it takes away from you the ibadah that you could come with, the salah that you can come with, the ta'ah that you can come in with. And he, it's got a price to it. Then the author, rahimahullah, he said, وَإِرْرَامَ وَصْلَهَا غَبِيٌّ 
if it makes a person um, so if a, sorry he says if a person he wants to obtain its bounties how quick does its um, its bounties come to an end Ibn al-Qayyim, he said, Sururu dunya the bounties of this dunya are the dreams of a person. Or kadhillin za'ilin. Or it's like a shade that will go. A shade. In adhak, in adhakat, if it makes you laugh, qalilan little, abkat kathiran, it will make you cry a lot. Wa in sarrat yawman, and if it brings happiness to you one day, Sa'at dahran, it will make you cry for years. وَإِنْ مَتَّعَتْ قَلِيلًا If it gives you bounties, مَنَعَتْ طَوِيلًا It will prevent from you a lot. وَمَا مَلَأَتْ دَارًا خِيرَةً إِلَّا مَلَأَتْهَا عَبْرَةً It doesn't fill a house with goodness, except that it fills it with sadness and tears. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud used to say, لكل فرحة, every happiness in this world, ترحة, there's a sadness to come with it. وَمَا مُلِئَ بَيْتٌ فَرَحًا إِلَّا مُلِئَ تَرَحًا And there is no house that has been filled with happiness, except that it was filled with sadness as well. Muhammad ibn Sirin used to say, مَا كَانَ There isn't a laughter whatsoever except after it there will be cry after it Ibn al-Qayyim mentioned all of that in his Zad the author rahimahullah in the sixth line he says so I ask Allah by his might and his strength subhanahu wa ta'ala to come between me and the dunya to come between me and its assassination and in annihilation that it wants to do to me. This dunya, oh Allah, I want you to get in between me and it. It's here to destroy me, assassinate me, annihilate me. Al-Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, he chaptered a chapter in his Sahih. He called it, Babun fi min fitnati dunya. The chapter of seeking Refuge in Allah from the trials and the tribulations of this dunya, and then he brought the hadith of Abdullah. Uh, sorry, he brought the hadith of uh, Saad ibn Abi Waqas that he said, "Kana Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam Saad ibn Abi Waqas he said that the messenger used to teach us these words, "Kama tu'allamul kitaba," the way that writing is learnt. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-bukhli wa'udhu bika min al-jubni wa'udhu bika an arudda ila arda lil-umri wa'udhu bika min fitnati dunya wa'adhaab al-qabr Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from stinginess. Bukhl is to be very stingy. Wa'udhu bika min al-jubni Oh Allah, I seek refuge in, Allah, in you to be coward. A person who is scared of other people. Wa'udhu bika and I seek refuge in you, O oh Allah an arudda ila arda lil-umr that I go back to an old age 
where I can't remember anything. I become senile. I depend on others. وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ عَلَى سِيكَ فِيْجِنْ يُؤَوَ اللَّهِ مِنْ فِتْنَةِ الدُّنْيَا The fitna of this dunya وَعَذَابُ الْقَبْرِ And the punishment of the graves. That's why the Prophet Ibn Umar mentioned قَلَّمَا كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ يَقُومُ مِنْ مَجْلِسٍ It was very little that the Prophet would get up from a gathering حَتَّى يَدْعُوَ بِهَا أُولَاءِ دَعَوَاتِ Except that he would make these supplications لِأَصْحَابِهِ for his companions. He would say, Allahumma qsim lana min khashyatika ma tahulu bihi baynana wa bayna ma'asiyatik. Allahumma qsim lana min khashyatika ma tahulu bihi baynana wa bayna ma'asik. Wa min ta'atika ma tubalighuna bihi jannatak. Wa min al-yaqeen ma tuhawwinu bihi alayna masaibati dunya. Wa matti'na bi asma'ina wa abasarina wa quwatina. Ma ahyaytana wa ja'alhu al-waritha minna. Wa ja'al ta'arana ala man zalamana. وَانْصُرْنَا عَلَى مَنْ عَادَانَا وَلَا تَجْعَلْ مُصِيبَتَنَا فِي دِينِنَا وَلَا تَجْعَلِ الدُّنْيَا أَكْبَرَ هَمِّنَا وَلَا مَبَلَغَ عِلْمِنَا وَلَا تُسَلِّطْ عَلَيْنَا مَنْ لَا يَرْحَمُنَا The Prophet used to make that dua in every single sit before he got up. Rarely did he get up without making his dua. Abdullah ibn Umar said. From the duas, that, from that part that concerns us here is that he would say is um, وَلَا تَجْعَلِ الدُّنْيَا أَكْبَرَ هَمِّنَا Oh Allah, أَمَّا وَلَا تَجْعَلْ مُصِيبَتَنَا فِي دِينِنَا Do not make our calamities and our trials and our tribulations in our religion. وَلَا تَجْعَلِ الدُّنْيَا Oh Allah, do not make this dunya أَكْبَرَ هَمِّنَا Our ultimate goal. That's all we live for. وَلَا مَبْلَغَ عِلْمِنَا And all of our knowledge is only based on worldly affairs. يعني if this person is asked any questions, he knows everything about the dunya. But when you ask him, akhirah, salah, basic issues of tawheed al-aqeedah, basic issues of fiqh, he doesn't know anything. Alimun bid-dunya, jahilun bil-akhirah. He is what? He knows the uh, uh, dunya, he doesn't know the akhirah. He's ignorant of it. The Prophet used to seek refuge in Allah from that. Ridalika, from the bad traits is to be like, as the Prophet sallallahu a person who is what? Ja'adhariyun jawwal. Sakhabun bil-aswaq. A person who is hard, people can't come to you easy, you're not approachable. That's one. The second thing is what? You're a person who is, you scream in the market, all day yelling in the market. Jifun bilayli, himarun bin nahari, jifun bilayli. You're a donkey in the daytime, like you work like a donkey, everything is put on top of you, you carry it, you run, you, you sweat in the dunya. You are jifun bin nahari, you're like a dead corpse at night time. Alimun bid dunya, you're knowledgeable of the Yani Jifun bin Nahari bin Layli means what? At night time you sleep like a dead corpse. And you don't Yani the believer when he tosses and turns in the bed, he says some adhkar, Yani wakes up at night, he doesn't connect the whole entire night together. Uh, he doesn't. So he wakes up at night somehow and he prays a raka'ah or two or something. He doesn't do the whole entire night like that. Also, he remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He sleeps with his wudu. He does his dua before he sleeps. And this is jeef. This person walks into the house and sleeps with his uniform if he wants. Uh, and he's also what? He is alimun bid dunya. He knows the dunya. You ask him about anything related to the government. How do you do this? How do you apply this documentation? What's the office that you take it to? He'll tell you what floor it is, what door number it is. He'll tell you what times they open, what times they close. He knows who's the head of that department. He knows all of the issues of the dunya. You go to him. But when you see him pray, he do, you think to yourself, he's 
a person whose first class in Salah is this one. He doesn't know how to even pray the Salah. He doesn't know basic issues of Tawheed and Aqeedah. You see, عَالِمٌ بِالدُّنْيَا عَالِمٌ بِالدُّنْيَا جَاهِلٌ بِالْآخِرَةِ These people, Allah Taala hates those people. And that's not what you want to be, brothers and sisters. You don't want to be like that. You know your dunya, enough to survive and live in this dunya, what you need from it. But your akhirah is your ultimate goal. You're studying, you're learning, you're everything is your akhirah. The place you're heading, the pace of eternity that you're going to stay forever. Why are you going to waste all of your brain cells and your mind and your energy in learning something you're going to leave? You're going to leave this dunya, you're not going to be there here forever. You're going to go to another place, you're going to stay there forever. Isn't it better you study the sirat and how it works? And the mizan, yom al-qiyamah, and what, what, what makes it heavy? And you study the graves, the questions that you're going to be asked in the graves, that you need to answer, or else you're going to be destroyed in that grave. Yani, some people, they decorate this dunya, and their house in this dunya, and they beautify it, and they put new sofas, and they put new beds, and they change the blinds. Every two weeks, they throw the blinds, and they bring new blinds. I've seen people, subhanAllah, they don't wear the same clothes for a month. Yani, they throw the socks and all of this. Yani, they change... The entire house, every six months, everything in the house is thrown away or given out and they get new stuff. That, I'm not saying anything, that, only anything of that is wrong. You can do that. If Allah has given you the wealth, do that. No problem. What I'm saying to you is that it's wrong like if you do that to the dunya, but your, akhira, your grave that you're going to go to, you haven't beautified it with righteous actions. You haven't decorated it. You've decorated a house that you're going to leave. And you forgot to decorate a house that you're heading to. That's when it becomes a problem. That's when it shows that you're not smart as you think you are. That you're truly not clever. You haven't really thought about this, have you? You're working towards the dunya. You're going to leave it. You're going to walk away from all of this. This is not going to be yours. You're actually decorating something that's going to be inheritance. It's, your children are going to own this. It's theirs. It's not yours. You're working for other people. So that's why the Messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam, he always saw the dunya and he always told his companions to see the dunya as a stepping stone. It's a bridge. You don't stand on the bridge. You walk on the bridge to the other side. The other side is what you want, not the bridge. The bridge is going to take you to the other side. It's sad that you've made the bridge your house and you live on top of it and you stay there. You stay there. وَلِذَلِكَ The Messenger وسلم, is from his dua that he used to make. And remember the dua of the Messenger وسلم, is really teaching us where our priorities should be laid, where our priorities should be. Look what he said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, Allahumma aslih li deeni alladhi huwa ismatu amri. Wa aslih li dunyaya allati fiha ma'ashi. Wa aslih li akhirati allati fiha ma'adi. Waj'al al-hayata ziyadatan li fi kulli khair. Underline that point. Waj'al al-hayata. Make this life in this dunya. Ziyadatan li fi kulli khair. This life I'm living in this dunya, Make it an opportunity for me to increase in righteous actions. الْمَوْتَى And right after, look what he said. And make death for me. All of the evils in this world and everything I've already gone through. Oh Allah, don't do the same to me in my death. You see, this dunya, we're suffering. We're going through hardships, griefs, pain, worry, concern. We all go through it. But we don't want to do that in the hereafter for ourselves as well. Imagine we go through it in this dunya and we go through it in the akhirah. Wallahi, we are lost. We are truly lost if it happens in both places for us. So this dua is what the Prophet ﷺ used to say. The dua, brothers and sisters, is miftahul khair, is the key to all good. 
It's the miftahul faraj. It's the key to opening the locks on your grief and your sadness and your worries. It gets rid of all of that. It does. It is the key to success. So it's upon all of us that we turn towards these dua and we make it. And we also live by those duas. We, yani these duas, we live by them. Oh Allah, make us from those who live by it. The author, in these two lines, he talks about, and he mentions in the eighth, this is the seventh and the eighth, he says, O oh you zealous seeker of the lowly worldly life, what are you running after? What are you zealous about? What are you seeking? The lowly, worldly life. Jahidan, exerting all of your efforts. Allah, oh, the word Allah is, is used for tambih. Oh, you person. Utlub siwaha. You should seek other than it. Innaha la wafa laha. The dunya, it does not have a, it doesn't have the quality, the dunya doesn't have the quality of fulfilling its promises. That's not what it does for you. Yani, how many people pursued a career? Did they get what they wanted, what they were trying to get? They took all the paths, they sought, they went to college, they went to university, they got their degree, they got the qualification, they got the, st- the did they get the job? No, not necessarily. Yani, you can take all the steps in this dunya, but it doesn't, it doesn't, the dunya has, it doesn't owe you anything. It doesn't have to give you something. It doesn't. And that's very powerful, Allah. Why? Because a lot of the people, they think the world is going to give them this, but they don't realize and they don't understand it is Allah who gives it. Once you connect yourself to Allah, it, the dunya will be forced because it's a slave of Allah. It's a creation of Allah. It will be forced to give you because Allah will make it and give it to you. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said something very powerful. He said, Manhumani la yashba'an. Two types of people who are hungry, they are starving and they never get filled up. Two types of people are never going to be filled up. Nothing can quench their thirst and hunger. Nothing. Sahibul ilm, the person of knowledge. Wa sahibul dunya, and the person of this world. And Abdullah ibn Mas'udin, he said, Wala yastawiyani, and those two people are not the same. Both of those people don't ever get full, but both of them are not the same. Amma sahibul ilm, as for the person of knowledge, fayazdadu rida lirrahmani. The person of knowledge never gives up. All day he's buying a book, he's reading it. He feels like still there's more missing from me. He'll buy more. He'll buy more. All day he's running after knowledge. He never gets filled. filled. Ahmed was asked, Rahimahullah, he was said to, Ila mata, how long are you going to be, they, they saw him carrying a log and ink, and they said, Ahmed, how long, how long are you going to be doing this for? Like, yani, is there no stopping in your life? You sought knowledge, you memorize everything, everyone's coming to you from around the world. For how long are you going to be seeking knowledge? Ahmed said, he said, Min al-makbara, from the cradle to the grave. Says, There's no stopping for this. So the person who's seeking knowledge never gives up. He reads a book, the same book he read, a new publication comes out that has corrected the mistakes that were in the old publication and he reads that same book, the same book. We're not talking about a new book. The same book, 
with a better publication, he's now paying money for it, and he's also what? He's also reading it. Some great scholars of Islam, a'imma, because of their passion and their love for knowledge and their excessive desire for knowledge, they sold their children's food and their children's pots and the pans that the, 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 the wife was cooking food for the children with. He took it to the market and he sold it just so he can buy one of those books. This is the same for the people of the dunya as well. Some people when they want drugs and the likes of drugs, what do they do? They do the same thing. They're addicted to the drugs. They start selling their watches and their shoes and their socks and they start selling. The person of knowledge will sell also his properties and his belongings. Not for drugs, but for something better. Something he's also addicted to, which is the deen of Allah, is with the knowledge. He becomes addicted to it like that. But the Abdullah ibn Mas'ud he said, Amma sahibul ilm, as for the person of knowledge, rahmani. He's increasing in knowledge, just increases him in what? Increases Allah being pleased with him. dunya, as for the person of this dunya, The more he increases in money, the majority of them, the more they increase in transgression and in disobedience of Allah. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud then recited the ayah, Kalla inna insana la That that's talking about the person of the dunya. Kalla inna insana that the person is transgressive. He exceeds his limit. When when he becomes rich with wealth and dunya, he becomes arrogant. Majority of the people. And then he recited for the people of knowledge, like in the more they increase in knowledge and the more piety they get, that the scholars, the ones who are up there, their piety and their fear of Allah just increases. You see the difference? The more that the person of knowledge increases, the more humble he becomes, the more righteous he becomes, the more he fears of Allah, the more he's conscious of his own actions. And the one who increases in wealth, the more transgressive, the more disobedient, the more arrogant, the more conceit he becomes. But both of them do not become full. The dunya, it doesn't fulfill its promises, but it has another bad trait. It deceives the person. The dunya, it doesn't fulfill its promise to you. But it, what, what it will do to you is that it will trick you. That's why Allah referred to it as what? Mata'ul ghurur. Ghurur means gharar is when you're deceived. It's like um, a, mira- a mirage. It's like a mirage. Meaning what? It's like you're driving on a road or you're walking in the desert. And sometimes what you see is when the heat and the sun bounces off the surface of the earth it looks like there's water in front of you and the more you walk forward you get there there's nothing there you keep going forward there's nothing there the dunya is like that it's that mirage you keep coming to it it's not there you come it's not there it says to you do this degree do this get this get this qualification get all of this you get it and it's like okay you know what there's something else missing from you and what um, phd you do phd nope you have to be a professor for one year Kani, where do you where do you stop at what point can you say, here? Nope. The whole idea is that you don't stop. Um, you become a millionaire. The dunya says to you, that's not enough, man. How many people are millionaires? How do you know? You're, you can still lose your wealth, you know. You've only got a million. Hey, what shall I do? Make it two million. Okay, I'll make it two million. The person makes it two million. Huh? Fulan and Alan have two million and they lost it in the 1970s or the 1940s. They lost their wealth because they had only two million. If you make it half a billion... You're, you're, you're safe. Really? Yes. You get half a billion. 
that it says to you half a billion? Really? You actually thought that you could retire with half a, half a billion? Wahakada. It just fools you. It keeps going until what? You got the money, you are now rich, but you don't have the energy to use it. I remember one time I read in the Kitab, um, oh, the other day I read it, in the Kitab of Muhammad Shakir, Rahimahullahu Ta'ala, Abatilun wa Asmar. He mentioned something very powerful, which is a very powerful concept in his eloquent way of saying it. Of course, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be able to articulate it, how he, how he did it. But he mentioned the concept of the person attains, when you're young, you want money. Why do you want it? Because remember, you're young, you're enthusiastic, you're full of energy, the drive, the energy that is in it, the money, the wealth, you get it, so you go and pursue that. You say, I need it. When you get that money, if you do get it, that's, not everyone gets it, but you do get it, guess what goes? Your age is now gone, your enthusiasm is gone, your energy is now gone, and guess what? You don't know how to use, you don't how to use it anymore. So you waste your money collecting the wealth, and now that it's come, you haven't used it. That is the reality of the dunya. That is the sadness of this world. A lot of people are rich. They, they left everything. They but they now are not using their wealth. Because the desire of having a mansion here, a car like this, and this and that. It needs 15 years of your life or 20 years of your life. If you're 20, then you're 40 at that time. Do you really have that desire that you had when you were 20? No, you most likely don't anymore. Or even if you started late, 30 years, you're 50, you're a granddad by then. You just have to focus on your, that's if you did get married. So this dunya is mata'ul ghurur. It's deception. It fools its people. People love it. But it's fooling each and every one of those people. Unless the person who uses it for that which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look what he said. How many people have we seen? He said. Those who are eager and sympathetic for the dunya. That's what they are. Then they did not gain from it. They did not get any triumph after obtaining it. Once they gained it, they, their honor went with it. Yani, he was looking for the money, looking for the money, looking for the money, got the money. Now he wanted to spend it. He lost all honor, reputation, had he nothing. I remember when I was very young, there was a point I thought to myself, you know, maybe I want to make some money, I want to be rich. I'm going to make some money, and then I'm probably going to go deep into seeking Islamic knowledge. That was one moment in my life that that thought came to my mind. And then I spoke to one of the shuyukhs, he gave me advice, but it didn't really impact me. It didn't. But one statement of one other sheikh, that he wasn't talking to me, he was talking to someone else, that stuck with me forever, penetrated through my mind. He said to me, there were great scholars, there were, he said there was great scholars that came into Islam. Okay? Like Ahmad ibn Hanbal and Sufyan al-Tawri and Al-Imam al-Shafi'i and Al-Imam Malik and Al-Imam Sufyan ibn Uyayna, Abdullah ibn Mubarak, Hamadani, Hamad ibn Zayd, Hamad ibn Salam, Sufyan ibn Uyayna. Yani, 
these great scholars, Bukhari, Muslim, Abu Dawood, Tirmidhi, Majah. He said, we remember these scholars and we always remember them in, in their good that they did for the religion. We remember them and we ask Allah for them forgiveness. But he said, at that time, they were businessmen as well. They were rich people at that time of Imam Bukhari. They were rich people at the time of Imam Ahmed. They were rich people at the time of Sufyan Thawri. Where are the businessmen now? Who knows them? Who does taraddi on them? And that's what stuck with me. It's not the concept of being known. But it's the concept of whenever we hear Bukhari's name, we just say radiyallahu anhu amarahimahullah. Ahmed, we say the same for him. Bukhari, all of these, a'imma, we say that for them. The businessmen at that time, la na'rifuhum, we don't know them. They worked for themselves. If they made themselves happy, alhamdulillah. But they left and that's it. No mention of them. No, no taraddi on them. Yani no asking Allah's mercy for them. Yani Bukhari, rahimahullah, we not only mention him, not only do we ask Allah's mercy for him, but we mention him next to the Prophet's name. Yani Bukhari is mentioned right next to the Prophet. You say, Qala Rasulullah sallallahu al-Bukhari. Qala Rasulullah sallallahu Muslim. Qala Rasulullah sallallahu Abu Dawood. Qala Rasulullah sallallahu Tirmidhi. Ibn Majah. And then you say, Sahahu al-Albaniyu. Da'afahu al-Albaniyu. All of these people are right next to the name of the Prophet. They are mentioned in that Zumrah, that circle. That is, is something that makes a person realize, I promise you, the one who is richer than you, who is wealthier than you in this dunya, فَلَمْ يَضْفَرْ بِهَا He hasn't gained necessarily happiness from it. And that, of course, is not something we can brush everyone uh, with it. There were wealthy companions. Um, there were wealthy companions who were rich. The author, in these three lines, he also carries on talking about halid dunya, the reality of this dunya, and that how it's going to, it's coming to its demise and its, its ending. But now what he does is that he brings the evidences from the Quran and the Sunnah where they're mentioned, or he mentions the exact point where you can find it. So, for example, he says. It has been found in um, Surah Al-Hadid. And where do, can you find it in Surah Al-Hadid? قوله تعالى اعلموا أنما الحياة الدنيا لعب ولهو وزينة وزينة وتفاخر بينكم وتكاثر في الأموال والأولاد كَمَثَلِ غَيْثٍ أَعْجَبَ الْكُفَّارَ نَبَاتُهُ ثُمَّ يَهِيجُ فَتَرَاهُ مُصْفَرًّا ثُمَّ يَكُونُ حُطَامًا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ عَذَابٌ شَدِيدٌ وَمَغْفِرَةٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَرِضْوَانٌ وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا مَتَاعُ الْغُرُورِ He says, Allah Azza wa Jalla, اعلموا, no. أَنَّمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا That this life, this world that we're in, what it is, is لَعِبٌ The dunya is what? It's لَعِب, is play. Just to fulfill the joy of the body. Yani the la'ib is a representation that this dunya only fulfills the goal of the body. Like this goes gym, wakes up, 
and he again is thinking about what food have I eaten and why should I not eaten this and his health diet. Laib. But that does not mean, I am not saying in any way, shape or form that you shouldn't be health, you shouldn't be healthy and shouldn't look at what you're eating and taking care of your body. But the dunya, this is what it is. I'lamu, that's the first word Allah used here. And it's a karima to tanbihin. It's a word of bringing your attention to the great matters that I'm going to mention. Allah is saying, I'lamu, know that this life in this world is what? La'ibun. Mushghilatun nas. La'ib means that it, can, it takes your body into playing and it busies it from the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Walahuun. Lahu and la'ib are similar words, but both ones are used for different parts of the body. La'ib is when the body is busy with something other than the ibadah of Allah. Lahuunna is when the heart is busy with something other than the ibadah of Allah. So the dunya distracts the body and it distracts the heart and the mind. Wazinatun, and the dunya is what? Zina. And zina for three things. Yani beautification. Adornment. Beautification of the clothing. Beautifying your riding beast and beautifying your house. Those are the three that the people today are doing, right? It's to beautify your clothes and how you look. To beautify your riding beast, your car and the way it looks and the color and this and that. And your house. That's what many people are like. To beautify. I would add a fourth one that today is extra, which is makeup and those things that people use. Men and women use it. Like, it's not just women. Oh, yes. The men that use makeup as well. So those four. And that's where their joy lies in their clothing, what they wear, the riding beast, and their house, and the, what they dress with, and their face, what they put on it. That's where their joy lies. It doesn't lie in the remembrance of Allah. But that's what's happening. When you're, bored, when you, when you're thirsty, if you drink something that's not going to hydrate you, you're, you're going to cause your body harm. There's, a, there's an amount of water that your body has to have. If a person tries to look for happiness in other than the remembrance of Allah, there's a consequences that the body and the mind is going to have. Also, the dunya is what? The dunya is based upon what? Tafakhur. Boasting and bragging. Saying, I've got this and I've got this and this is my car. And all of these, if you look at today, that's exactly what people are doing on social media. It is to increase in wealth and children. That is what it is. How much money you have? How much is in your account? Oh, Allahumma barik, mashallah. You have a lot of mashallah, zeros, huh? Your account's got a lot. That's the kathur fil amwal. Well, awlad, children. Uh, the concept of children, back at those days, it was a big thing because of tribal reasons. If war happened, you've got children and whatnot. It's still present, but slightly different now. That's why Allah said in another ayah, They've been deceived by التكاثر into increasing, increasing in their wealth, increasing in their money. Until you visited the graves. يعني increase, 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 increase. You were saying that until your body was being taken to the grave. There was never a time you said to yourself, have you ever seen a person who said, I have enough money, I don't need no more. No, you don't. He was always say, yeah, I won't say no to more. And he goes more, he's working more. He's making a lot more. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, that's the reality of the dunya. Ponder with me here, social media. Let's look at the world today. La'ibun, 
playing around so much. Lahwun, the distraction that he has. Wazinatun, beautification. This ayah is talking about beautifying yourself really. But the, the social media is a lie, it's kidding, it's iftira, it's beautification, it's false. Someone's beautifying himself with clothes that he's rented from a particular place. It's not even he's going to return it in the next two hours. He's beautifying himself with what? He's beautifying himself with a car he just rented, it's not even his. He's just going to have to return it back two, three hours. He had to put a deposit down, he's going to take it. But he gives the impression to the people that it's, it's his belongings. You see, worse than what the eye is even mentioning. All of that for what reason? It's to boast. I have this, you don't have it. Allah summarized the reality of the dunya. And then everybody who watches that video wants to have more money, more this, more that. That's what everybody wants. Now Allah gives us the example of this dunya. He gives us something we can relate to, something we can understand. Allah says, the dunya is like rain that has come down from the sky to the earth. The earth swallowed it. Then it produced its vegetations. The people were amazed with the, the vegetations that they saw from the rain. They were like, whoa, that's beautiful garden. Then what happened? The beauty connected to the people's hearts. And the, that which they saw. Then Allah destroyed it all subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it was like it never existed before. Look at the uh, springtime, the way it looks when the rain comes down, how beautiful it is, the greenery and everything. Then look at it, how it turns out to be at times of winter, when it's cold and it's freezing, the greenery, where it's gone, nothing, dark and dull. Huh? Allah is saying that the life in this world is like that. The, gla- the glamours and the glitters of the dunya are like that. The people see it today some way and tomorrow it's another way. It goes. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, the author then mentions, Yunus and Surah Yunus, which is the second evidence for it. He says, Yunus and the story of Yunus. Where is it in Yunus? Qawluhu ta'ala. Wa Allah tabaraka ta'ala, he said, إِنَّمَا مَثَلُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا كَمَا إِنْ أَنزَلْنَاهُ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ إِنَّمَا مَثَلُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا كَمَا إِنْ أَنزَلْنَاهُ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ فَاخْتَلَطَ بِهِ نَبَاتُ الْأَرْضِ فَاخْتَلَطَ بِهِ نَبَاتُ الْأَرْضِ فَاخْتَلَطَ بِهِ نَبَاتُ الْأَرْضِ مِمَّا يَأْكُلُ النَّاسُ وَالْأَنْعَامِ حَتَّى إِذَا أَخَذَتِ الْأَرْضُ زُخْرُفَهَا وَزَّيَّنَتْ وَظَنَّ أَهْلُهَا وَظَنَّ أَهْلُهَا أَنَّهُمْ قَادِرُونَ عَلَيْهَا أَتَاهَا أَتَاهَا أَمْرُنَا لَيْلًا أَوْ نَهَارًا فَجَعَلْنَاهَا حَصِيدًا فَجَعَلْنَاهَا حَصِيدًا كَأَن لَّمْ تَغْنَ بِالْأَمْسِ فَجَعَلْنَاهَا حَصِيدًا كَأَن لَّمْ تَغْنَ بِالْأَمْسِ كَذَلِكَ نُفَصِّلُ الْآيَاتِ لِقَوْمٍ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ
Allah says the example of this worldly life is but like a rain which we have sent down from the sky that the plants of the earth absorb from which men and livestock eat until Allah says until when the earth has taken on its adornment and it is beautified and its people suppose that they are that they have the capability over it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, our command by night or by day comes. He then says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, we make it as a harvest, as if it had never flourished yesterday, as like it has never been like that before. We explain in details the signs for a people who give thought to what we say. In Surah Al-Kahf, the author says, also Surah Al-Kahf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does he say? وَاضْرِبْ لَهُمْ مَثَلَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا كَمَا إِنْ أَنزَلْنَاهُ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ كَمَا إِنْ أَنزَلْنَاهُ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ فَاخْتَلَطَ بِهِ نَبَاتُ الْأَرْضِ فَأَصْبَحَ هَشِيمًا فَأَصْبَحَ هَشِيمًا تَذْرُوهُ الرِّيَاحِ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ مُقْتَدِرًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَضْرِبْ لَهُمْ Give them the parable, Muhammad. Like, مَثَلُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا The examples of this world. The parable of this dunya, the way it's like. كَمَا إِنْ أَنزَلْنَاهُ It is like water that we send down from the sky. And then it mixes with the earth. فَأَصْبَحَ هَشِيمًا تَدْرُوهُ الرِّيَاحِ It becomes like dust. That flies into the wind. Allah, verily Allah is ala kulli shayin muqtadira, one that has ability and strength and power over everything. That is what the dunya is. Wa fi ali imrana wa surah fatirin wa fi ghafirin. He mentions three more surahs. Surah Ali Imran is wa ma qawlu ta'ala. وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا مَتَاعُ الْغُرُورِ Surah Al-Fatir is what? يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ إِنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهِ حَقَّ فَلَا تَغُرَّنَّكُمُ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا وَلَا يَغُرَّنَّكُمْ بِاللَّهِ الْغَرُورِ He says, O people, إِنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهِ حَقَّ Allah promise, Allah's promise is true. فَلَا تَغُرَّنَّكُمُ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا Do not let this world deceive you. وَلَا يَغُرَّنَّكُمْ Do not let it also deceive you. بِاللَّهِ الْغَرُورِ The one that wants to deceive you, shaitan. Do not let him deceive you. And do not let the dunya deceive you as well. Surah Taghafir. The advice. Mu'minu Ali Fir'aun gave to his people. What did he say to them? يَا قَوْمِ إِنَّمَا هَذِي الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا مَتَاعَ وَإِنَّ الْآخِرَةَ هِيَ دَارُ الْقَرَارِ He says, my people, this life in this world is just a short joy. 
وَإِنَّ الْآخِرَةَ And the hereafter, هِيَ دَارُ الْقَرَارِ It is a place that you're going to stay forever. In those verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explained to us that the dunya is زَائِلٌ fa'in. That the dunya is going to go and it's going to perish. وَأَنَّا مَتَاعُ الْغُرُورِ And it is what? A deceitful life. It's a deceitful reality. وَفِي سُورَةِ الْأَحْقَافِ أَعْضَمُ وَاعِضٍ Surah Al-Ahqaf, it goes in there even, even more, he says. Allah says, كَأَنَّهُمْ يَوْمَ يَرَوْنَ مَا يُوَعَدُونَ لَمْ يَلْبَثُوا إِلَّا سَاعَةً مِّن نَهَارِ بَلَاغ فَلْيُلَّكُ إِلَّا الْقَوْمُ الْفَاسِقُونَ Allah says, كَأَنَّهُمْ It's as though كَأَنَّهُمْ يَرَوْنَ مَا يُوَعَدُونَ لَمْ يَلْبَثُوا They think that they even never remained in the dunya. They would think to themselves that they only stayed in the dunya illa sa'atan min nahar, an hour from it. The whole dunya, the 30, 40, 50 years they lived, they start to think when they go on the other side, yawm al-qiyamah, that they only lived in the dunya for how long? For just a, a sa'ah. Balagh, they reached it. فَلْيُولَكُ إِلَّا الْقَوْمُ الْفَاسِقُونَ The oppressors and the wrongdoers are definitely punished by Allah Azza wa Jalla. Allah punishes them. Brothers and sisters, you were created to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wallahi, you weren't created to worship the dunya. And that is what many of us are falling into. We're worshipping the dunya. We're forgetting the ayah, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنْسَةِ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ That Allah created us to worship Him alone, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And right after Allah mentioned that our purpose in this dunya is that we worship Him, He mentioned to us, مَا أُرِيدُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ رِزْقٍ وَمَا أُرِيدُ أَنْ يُطْعِمُونَ إِنَّ Yani worshipping Allah doesn't mean that you're providing for Him. It means that Allah Azza wa Jalla is going to provide for you. If you busy yourself with your ibadah, the ayah is saying to you, if you busy yourself with ibadah, إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الرَّزَّاقُ ذُو الْقُوَّةِ الْمَتِينَ Allah is going to take care of your provision. Your rizq, Allah will bring it to you. Even in your house, Allah will bring it to you. Perfect your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah will take care of your rizq for you subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the author says, وَكَمْ مِنْ حَدِيثٍ مُوْجِبٌ لِعْتِزَالِهَا How many ahadiths have there been? And how many ahadiths have clearly and categorically mentioned regarding the reality of the dunya that to stay away from it? How many ahadiths necessitate that one should keep away from it? And one of those hadith I already mentioned, إِنَّ الدُّنْيَا مَلْعُونَ مَلْعُونُ مَا فِيهَا And also another hadith, where the Prophet said, إِنَّ الدُّنْيَا حُلْوَةٌ خَذِرَةٌ That this dunya, it is beautiful, it is glitterous and glamorous, and subhanAllah, takes the eyes. وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ مُسْتَخْلِفَكُمْ فِيهَا Allah is placing you governors over this earth. فَيَنْظُرَ كَيْفَ تَعْمَلُونَ To see what you're going to do in it. To see your actions. فَاتَّقُوا الدُّنْيَا Be scared of the dunya. And be scared and cautious of the women. The first fitna of the people of Israel was regarding the women. Their fitna was in the, in the, in the, in the, in the women. Ibn al-Qayyim said a statement that I'm going to, inshaAllah ta'ala, that I'm going to I'll mention this statement because it's long and it's inshaAllah ta'ala a lot of benefits are in it. So tomorrow's session inshaAllah ta'ala I'm going to start with that statement of Ibn al-Qayyim. Uh, I'll stop there inshaAllah ta'ala. The time uh, has come to an end now. 
Uh, anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me and Shaitan and Allah and His Messenger are both free from it. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu wa la ilaha illallah. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayhi.